Welcome to the Dr. Wayne Dyer Radio Podcast. Discover the wisdom and remarkable insights of Dr. Dyer, world-renowned spiritual teacher and foremost authority on how the power of your mind creates your world. I start looking back on a lot of the things that have come up, come into my life. And as they come into your life, when things show up in your life, that really turn your life uh, upside down or uh, really just impact your life in a certain way, uh, whether it's a book or it's a teaching or it's somebody that's a great idea that you hear about or it's a whole new philosophy or, you know, a new practice, a new meditation, I don't know, whatever it might be, something new shows up and it sort of takes over your life and, uh, and you talk a lot about it and you think a lot about it and you practice it and uh, whatever it might be. Um, and then you know, life goes on and then uh, something else comes along like that. And what happens, I think, when you get to a certain age is that you start to look back on all of these things that, that showed up at different times in your life. And uh, you look back, well, this this happened when I was 40 and this happened when I was 45 and this happened when I was 47. And, and but what happens is you get as you get uh, you get to a place where you're stepping back almost you um you see, you see a bigger picture, and uh, you begin to see how those things that did show up in your life at those times uh, all fit together, and then they led to the next one and the next one, and you begin to see how all the pieces of the piz- of the puzzle sort of fit together. Do you know what I mean? I don't know if you do that or not. Diane, sure. But, uh, yeah, but and I've been thinking about t- two things, uh, and, and and I want to share a, a little bit of a letter that came to me uh, today on the show, and then take some calls. Uh, a little bit later. Um, I've been thinking about this a lot. Uh, years ago, uh, when my children were very little, um, I, I had, uh, we hung on the, uh, on the hallway. There were, there were four bedrooms, uh, where, where, cause we had, we had, uh, eight children, seven children at the, in the house at that time and five in eight years. So they were, they were all little. They were always, whenever one was two, another one was four, six, eight, ten, and so on. And uh, we had, I had, uh, some, someone had given to me or I had uh, found it or somebody sent it to me, I'm not sure. Uh, but it was a, a framed picture of the prayer of St. Francis. Uh, and I would walk, walk up and down, you know, it, it, that corridor uh, where the, where the uh, f- four bedrooms were, where the children each had, a, had their own bedroom when they were 10, 12, 14, whatever. And I would just look at that prayer, and I'd, I'd jot it down. And I'd, I'd, but most of the time, I would just, it would just hang there. It would just be there. Uh, the kids probably walk by it a thousand times without really reading it and so on. And then um, ultimately what happened with that prayer, and I wasn't raised Catholic. I wasn't ra- raised in, in any kind of uh, religious place. I, I grew up in orphanages and foster homes. And every time we'd go to a new place, it would be a, n- a new religion. <laughs> so it was... Uh, uh, or I would, or there wouldn't be any at all. So I, I was never really uh, indoctrinated into any particular religious persuasion, which I think was an advantage for me. Um, but anyway, so it's the the Saint Francis became like this um, really important person in my life, and I, I must say that even in my forties, I never even realized or never thought much about it. The fact that uh, the city of San Francisco, for example, was after this this uh, this little monk. Who lived back in the uh, in the 13th century, in the 12th and 13th centuries, and um, but but he became such a, a, a dominant uh, force in my life. Um, th- th- this this prayer ultimately uh, that I looked at and, and read, and then I would read it some more, and then I, I started quoting from it, and 
uh, and then uh, people would send me pictures of St. Francis, and uh, and then I was uh, then I went to Assisi back in the, in the 1990s. I went there with my wife. Uh, I, I was attracted to to going there. It was so important for me to to go to this place, and I, I never I quite knew why. I was like, what was so significant about my going there? And then um, I was uh, I was attracted to go back there again about five or six years later. And then, of course, this trip that we just completed, experiencing the miraculous, uh, I went back to, I went there again. Only this time, and, it went, and the last time that I was there, 10 years ago or so, I, um, you know, I wrote a book called The Spiritual Solution to Every Problem. And I was meditating one day out in Maui uh, in the summertime. We used to come here in the summers. And, uh, and I, I knew that I wanted to write a book called The Spiritual Solution to Every Problem. It was a title that just, uh, even Deepak and I had talked about it many years ago. And I kept thinking, what a great title that would be for a book and for a, a, a program. Well, I, uh, I was meditating on it, and all of a sudden it hit me how I would write this book. It would be based upon the prayer of St. Francis. Each one of the lines in that prayer, Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. Where there is hatred, let me bring love. Where there is sadness, joy. Where there is darkness, light, and so on. Each of those became a chapter. And then, of course, uh, I turned that, uh, that into a public television special. Um, so that it was playing all over the, all over the United States, all over Canada. It went down to Australia. It was over in England. It was like, you know, from this, this, this prayer hanging on my, uh, on my wall by my children's bedroom, uh, and all of these, uh, infiltrations of St. Francis into my life. It, um, it was a very impactful time in my life, uh, for him. And, and of course he has, then I saw the movies, a brother, son, sister, moon, uh, and I began to actually experience St. Francis in my, in my meditations, in my dreams, felt that he was guiding me, uh, read uh, Nikos Kostanzakis' novel uh, called St. Francis. Um, I still read it. As a matter of fact, I was reading it yesterday. It's probably the fourth or fifth time. Uh, it's, and and I, when I went to Assisi this last time, I gave a talk there in a church that was built... Uh, 300 years before St. Francis was there, it was built around the year 1000, and there were 162 people in the room, and um, something just absolutely magical happened to me. I talked a little bit about it on the radio show last week, but at the end of that presentation, I did a little reading from, from Kostanzakis, and then um, something happened to me that has never happened to me in 40 or so years of, of, of speaking publicly in audiences all over the world. Uh, I just completely lost it. Uh, I was. I stood up there. I couldn't. A word wouldn't come out. I was. Tears were streaming down my face. Everybody in the room stood up, uh, and just uh, like they were there with me. And I don't know how long it lasted. Maybe five, ten minutes. I don't know. Um, and a whole bunch of photographs uh, were taken, and there were orbs all over the room uh, on the stage and so on. It was like a magical moment uh, experience. If anybody was in the uh, in the uh, audience there, uh, who's uh, on the radio, perhaps you could call in and and maybe just sort of uh, talk about what. Well, I asked it Reed have, it about that, and uh, he mm-hmm. said it was incredible. That the energy, That's the right. feeling there was was pretty yeah. amazing. Absolutely. So if anybody's calling in and was there, what they might give what their impressions of it were, because it's. Uh, it was and my children were in there, and they had never seen anything like it. And and for the next three or four days, I just about uh, I was just in another world. Okay, so that's just one thing. And I want to get to this quickly. So uh, about five or six years after that, and about five or six years ago, um, the uh, the Tao Te Ching began to come into my life. I read a book called uh, A Million uh, A Million Little Pieces. 
um, James Fry's book where he quoted from the Tao. I knew about Taoism. I had talked about it a little bit when I was uh, teaching philosophy and psychology at the universities, and I quoted from it a few times, but I really didn't know that much about it, that there were 81 verses, that it was written 2,500 years ago, the whole history behind it, why Lao Tzu wrote, wrote it. He actually didn't write it. He dictated it. And someone in New York who calls in on the radio show uh, sent, I don't know if you remember this, Diane, but they sent me, I don't know if we were, you were doing the show with me or if it was summer at that time, but this woman called in and she absolutely um, dictated, uh, had uh, channeled a photograph, she's an artist, and uh, a, uh, a drawing of, uh, of Lao Tzu that uh, she had sent to me, she FedExed it to me. I, I'm looking at it right now. It, is, um, it, it hangs on, my, on the wall in my writing space. And uh, it was almost as if when I wrote Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life, um, it, um, it, it just took over my life. Uh, and Lao Tzu became someone that was with me all the time. I had drawings of him sent around. I had each a verse of the Tao Te Ching placed in my, in my home. I practiced each one of them for one entire year. I did nothing but just live and practice and meditate on the Tao. And, and, and I, when I wrote each one of those essays in Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life, um, they were... Um, they were really channeled uh, from Lao Tzu. There was no question about it. It was just coming to me. And I've even had some Taoist scholars, some, uh, the, you know, a couple of them even from China, who have written to me about that book and said it's the, the finest, clearest interpretation of the Tao Te Ching that they had ever seen about how to apply it, what it really meant, and so on. And I was no expert on the Tao. It was just it was another phase in my life, you know. And I look back on that now, um, it's like six years later. Uh, that became a public television special. Um, I introduced the Tao to, uh, to millions of people who had never heard of it before, uh, and so on. So that was so. These are two people that just came into my life in in such a profound way. So what I wanted to do in these in the next five minutes or so is just to share a letter that I received this week from a woman up in um, uh, in Canada and in, in, uh, out near Vancouver. Uh, and um, she had attended a couple of my letters. Her name is Brenda Babinski, and I've talked to her. I got permission to use this letter. But um, So she wrote me this letter, and I just this sort of kind of pulls it all together, and I think it's, it's very intriguing, and I'd like to comment on it. She says, Dear Dr. Wayne, miracles happen. I feel compelled to share with you an experience I had very recently because you were a part of the miracle that I experienced. Several months ago, I heard about your experience, the miraculous tour, and knew that I had to be a part of it. Life for me is complicated right now, so I go through a great big shift. So for me to work out the logistics of going on the European tour was likely to take a miracle. But I was open to anything. I stated my intention out loud. I said, I intend to experience the miraculous with Dr. Wayne, and then I left it to God to come up with the house. A few months passed, and my situation was slow to change, so my trip was not booked. I continued to have faith and to know that I would experience the miraculous with you, even if reality kept saying, not likely. In the beginning of April, my busy schedule had me traveling with my 14-year-old daughter, Emily, to Kelowna, British Columbia, for her singing festival. It's an eight-hour drive from where I live, but she's very passionate about opera, so giving her the opportunity to go to Kelowna to work with some experts was certainly my pleasure. My parents happened to live there, too, so I called them to say we were coming. I talked to Mom for a few minutes, told her when we would be arriving, chatted about this and that when I heard Dad mumbling something in the background. Mom interpreted for me. Your dad says Dr. Wayne Dyer will be in Vernon, British Columbia, Tuesday night if you want to go see him. 
Well, after I picked the phone and myself up off of the floor, I asked Dad if he would be my date, and I went online and bought tickets. Needless to say, I was thrilled that God would be so kind as to bring you to me instead of getting me to go to Europe. Now, I just added a little note here. that I, I gave a talk in this little town of Vernon uh, in a hockey arena, which I really didn't want to do. And it's like my secretary kept pushing, and they said that they could get a crowd there. And I said, it's a small little place. There's only 40,000 people there. How are they going to get enough people in there? But they did, uh, and I just did it, and it's one of those things that you never know why you're doing it. But I, I had spoken in Vancouver at, at, the, uh, at, a, at, a, at a talk there, and then we drove all the way through the mountains out to this little place in April. This was just a few months ago. So she continues in the letter. The night of your lecture came, and I eagerly sat in the 14th row. When you walked on the stage and started to talk, something weird happened. It had happened once before when I saw a young boy sing Ave Maria and a huge halo of light appeared around him. At first I thought I was having halos and was getting a migraine, but the light was only around the young boy. That same light was surrounding you. No matter where you moved on the stage, the light followed you, and only you. I thought it might be the stage lights or the ambient atmosphere in the arena, but there was no halo around the lady who introduced you or around Pam McDonald, who spoke at, at, there as well. Then something even stranger happened, Dr. Wayne. You were talking about St. Francis. And before my eyes, before my very eyes, you transformed. Your body was clad in a long robe, and your features transformed so that you were St. Francis of Assisi. It lasted for only a moment, but it was powerful, emotional, and very, very real. But then something even stranger happened. You began to talk about Lao Tzu, and you transformed into him. A long braid trailed down your back, and I could see your face completely transform into Lao Tzu. Again, it only lasted for a moment, but the experience will last with me forever. At intermission, Dad went to the restroom, and I stood up to stretch my legs and dry my eyes. I felt a warm hand fill mine, and I looked down to see a little old lady, very old, with a wonderful smile, and she was urging me to sit beside her. I sat, and she stared straight into my eyes. She told me that she kept staring at me because I was glowing with light, and she felt like uh, she was watching an angel. I was transfixed by her eyes, thinking that I knew her somehow because I recognized her twinkly green eyes. She and I talked at times, saying the same thing at the exact same time, things like, we are all the same, and there's only love, and other deeply spiritual things. It felt like a dream, and before we knew it, you were on stage again creating your magic. I decided I needed to perpetuate contact with her and would get her name and number after the show. Despite my good intentions, when the show ended and we got up to leave, she had just simply disappeared. This surprised me because she had been sitting two seats away from me, and I never saw her leave. Dad and I left, and as I was backing up the car in the parking lot, I caught sight of my own eyes in the rearview mirror, and that's when I realized where I had seen those twinkly green eyes before. Impossible? Maybe. Maybe not. I have no explanation for any of the things I experienced that night, but every day I give thanks that I was able to experience the miraculous with Dr. Wayne in such a unique and lovely way. Namaste, Brenda Babinski. So that's the letter. And that's pretty incredible. Yeah, and I think about, I think about, uh, you know, so I talked to Anita Mujani, um, who has been on the show a couple of times, and I called her in Hong Kong. Uh, and she called me back, and and I read that to her, and I talked to her about it because she had had this near-death experience. The lady who um, she's publishing her book with Hay House is called "Dying to Be Me." She's going to be on my new 
public television special that we're going to record in October in San Diego, which tickets will be available for soon. Um, and, um, and I asked her about that because I thought, well, maybe in a past life I really was St. Francis and maybe I was Lao Tzu. And because, uh, because I felt such, because, because, Diane, they came into my life at times and they just took over my life. And um, and not just took over my life, but transformed my life. I mean, so many things happened uh, that got me onto a different path in my life. Not just a spiritual path, but on like a, almost a path of, of, of moving into another dimension, a higher consciousness path where uh, I've talked about these things with John of God and the healings that have taken place in my life and the people that have come into my life whose lives I have been touching in such a deeply and profound way that I had never done before. My lectures have changed. Um, people in my audiences uh, sense that there's something something new about me. And people walk up to me and say, "You just uh, I just saw someone the other day at a yoga class that I hadn't seen in in about a year because I had to take a year off of it when I when I used to have leukemia." And um, she looked at me and she said, "There's something about you that's just so so different. You just are radiating a different kind of a light now. What what is it?" I, I just said, well, I just feel content. I just feel, I just feel at peace. But I know that something is is shifting, and I think. So when I talked to Anita about this, and I talked about, you know, is this? New, she said there are no past lives. She said when I was in that state, and when I came back and my cancer was gone, um, I realized that everything is happening at once, and we can't wrap our 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 our, our consciousness around these things. You know what I mean? It's like it's we're so linear. And we're so believing that things begin and end and that there's cause and effect and that uh, things happen before and then after there's, there's a past and there's a future. And um, and she said, it's like you just live in parallel lives, that everything is happening at once. You get such a big, big picture. And she said, when you become passionately involved in the life of someone and they become passionately involved in you, you absolutely become them. You're looking at the same uh that you and St. Francis and you and Lao Tzu, when, when, when you're feeling it so deeply that you absolutely literally become that. And that um, her mention in that letter about the twinkly green eyes and so on seems so confusing. Like, who was this lady? And I always remember my wife, uh, Marcy, telling me a story when her first son was born, Shane. Um, uh, and she was struggling. She was in London, and uh, and she was very, very young, and she just was having such a hard time, and she didn't want to have to take any painkillers, and she wanted to deliver this baby naturally, and she was sweating, and the baby, and it was stuck, and she just couldn't move any further. And she said this beautiful nurse came in. She had this long red hair, and she did, you know, she was a, a short little squat lady, and um, and she said she put her hand on my head, and she just sort of uh, t talked me through the entire thing. And before you knew it, the baby popped out, and it was. And the next morning, she said, when uh, she wanted, to, she talked to the other nurses, and she said, "I want to talk to that nurse. She was so helpful. She guided me right through this thing, and she described her with the red hair and what she looked like." And they all said there was no nurse. Uh, there's no nurse at this hospital that looks like that. Uh, there never has been. We don't, we don't know who you're talking about. And there was no one here uh, there with you. And when I think about Brenda's letter and talking to that little lady. Um, and, and the entire experience of, of that evening, um, I, I just like, I guess, I guess asking all of you out there to open yourself up to the possibility that when you become 
literally so passionately involved in the lives of in the life of someone or you're taking on a whole new energy in your life that whatever guidance that you need it isn't something that was there in the past or uh that will be there for you in the future you become it it becomes you and it's uh and that's when these kinds of miracles can begin to show up orbs showing up there are pictures of me taken they're going to be in the book uh taken of me that evening in vernon british columbia sitting on the stage in a hockey arena uh, and just signing and people coming up to me. And um, the, there's one picture where you could just see, there must be, there must be two or three hundred of these, uh, these, whatever they are, whatever these things are that show up in photographs. Uh, we don't even know what they are. Hay House has a book about them called oh, About Orbs. That's, uh, that's absolutely fascinating. And they've been showing up in my, in photographs of me a lot, especially on stage, especially when, um, some say they're emanations from spirit. Some say that there's, you know, there's there's some kind of technical scientific explanation for it. But whatever it is, um, I've just noticed these kinds of changes taking place. And when I was in Assisi, and I realized, and now I look, and I was looking, thinking of this in my meditation yesterday morning uh, about talking about this on the radio show. That at, uh, now at this age, and I look back and I think, Saint Francis came into my life at a certain time, and and literally became me, and I became him. Um, and out of that was created a book, The Spiritual Solution, the Trips Back to Assisi, uh, major changes in my life as a teacher, as a global teacher, uh, public television special. Lao Tzu shows up in my life, um, became, became me, I became him. And as I get up on that stage and really feel the, uh, the energy of these beings, they begin to show up, uh, and people will recognize it. And more than one person on that trip in uh, in Assisi and Lourdes and Medjugorje told me similar kinds of things. So, well, even callers have mentioned that uh, we had a caller just last week saying how he's kind of watched you, you know, make these major shifts uh, over your career because he had been a long time, uh, you know, reader of of your work, mm-hmm. and and some powerful things are are definitely ha- happening to you. I mean, I can I can certainly hear it each week. And when you say making that connection with uh, Saint Francis, you know, I've read about this with other authors, um, and I forget the name of the author, but she had written a book about this Duchess in England who was related to uh, Princess Di's family. But she was a fascinating woman, and the more she got involved. Mm-hmm in her life and she had dreams about her and just really felt this connective energy. I mean, maybe there's, you know, when you put your attention on something like that, it can open doors. It does. It, 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 it I think it more than open door opens doors, Diane. I think what it does is it opens you up to a recognition that we're all one. I mean, the, 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 the idea of our oneness of our interconnectedness to all things and that, that we're not separate from anyone other than in our belief systems and in our egos becomes very, very real. And my, my being St. Francis or my being Lao Tzu, when it is so passionately a part of, of all aspects of my life, in my meditations, in my dreams, in my waking consciousness, in my writing, uh, in my speaking, in, and all of that, you become it. It becomes you. And this is something that's available to all of us. To find out more about Dr. Wayne Dyer or any other Hay House author, please visit hayhouse.com. Thank you for listening.